Yes, it is World Cup time. We are just eight days away from the world's biggest soccer tournament. But you know what, Cara? We had a gigantic soccer tournament of our own this past Saturday, the 19th annual DC Scores Jamboree. That's right. This is the DC Scores podcast. My name is Jake Lloyd, communications manager, and I am joined here by Cara Dunford, uh, DC Scores communications intern. Cara, how are you this afternoon? Doing pretty well, Jake. Doing pretty well. (laughs) Good, good. So am I, because, I mean, it is an exciting time of year. Not only do we have the World Cup coming up, but we just came off the DC Scores Jamboree on Saturday. And as I mentioned, it was just a huge day of soccer games, activities, face painting. We had close to 2,000 people there, all 1,500 kids in the program, 47 schools. And I counted them yesterday, Car, before I wrote the blog. The blog summary, I counted how many soccer games were actually played. There were 178 soccer games played between our elementary and middle school teams at Jamboree. Now, I don't know exactly how many games are played during the World Cup. I haven't had the time to look that up. But I'd say 178 probably stacks up pretty well against yeah, that. Yeah, and in one day, of all things, that's pretty amazing. In, one, in seven hours, yeah. really. Uh, the Jamboree kicked off on Saturday with the City Cup Championship games for elementary schools at 8 a.m., which was just capped off a tremendous season for the four teams that played in those games. And then right after that, all the teams were gathered for, you know, at one end of Anacostia Park, you had all the elementary schools, and at the other end, you had all the middle schools. Everyone did a big cheer, and then just like that, all the teams spread out over the large expanse, and soccer games began, and... uh, we had activity booths with, with great partners from Revolution Foods and 8260C and, uh, and FAR. Um, and there was a face painting booth. And uh, kids, when they weren't playing soccer games, they practiced their shooting accuracy with uh, Peña Barcelonista. Uh, it was just an incredibly action-packed day uh, that really went from 8 until... Just after three o'clock, when the co-ed middle school soccer game ended in penalty kicks, I was there. I was running uh, the boys' middle school tournament and helping out a little bit with the co-ed. And boy, I tell you, um, it was a an exhausting day. I'm glad I had my camel back and I was able to drink a hundred ounces of water because otherwise I would have been very dehydrated at the end of the day. Um, but it's funny, you know, being with the middle schools all day. That was kind of at the edge by the parking lot of Anacostia Park. And throughout the day, you know, people would come up to me and they'd be like, hey, I'm looking for school X or I'm looking for registration or I'm looking for the face painting booth. And I would point toward the other end of the park at these tents that literally seemed like they were a mile away. Um, it, it was just such a huge event. Um, and you know what? It, I can talk all I'd like about it, but it wouldn't have been possible if not for the incredible organization of Jackie Kemp, our program coordinator. And now we are joined by Jackie. Welcome, Jackie. Thanks. It's great to be here, Jake. Well, Jackie, let's uh, let's start off with the big question. How did how does it feel to have pulled off the largest event in DC Scores twenty year history? Oh gosh, it was awesome and amazing, and I didn't even know it was the largest event in our twenty year history, but. There were definitely about 2,000 people there. Um, I'm totally impressed with the program team and everyone else in DC Scores staff and our volunteers and 
everyone for just really rallying together and pulling it off. So, so tell me, how much planning went into Jamboree? Like, when did you start uh, planning for the event? Believe it or not, planning starts in January, right when we get back from winter, our winter break at DC Scores. I uh, submit a permit for the Anacostia Park space, and from there we go do all the logistics with, you know, the catering, the events, the goals, the soccer equipment, everything else that goes into that event. Pretty much happens weekly from January until June. And, and that was very clear to me, um, really, in the week leading up to Jamboree and then Saturday, just in how detailed and meticulous all of the roles for staff members as well as volunteers. I mean, any volunteer who came, they already had a role assigned to them, and that, I think that's what made the day so smooth. But tell me now, you've been doing this now, organizing DC Scores events for a couple of years. What are some of the biggest things you've learned about how to pull off such you know large-scale events? I have learned to create a process for everything that goes into the day, whether you see it or not. There's some; It's been thought through um, between our program staff and to really just over plan. We planned meticulously and a lot of things end up falling through just because of the nature of the event and kids and coaches and 2,000 people, but you over plan, you process and you relax and just enjoy how the day goes. Did everything at Jamboree on Saturday go as, as planned? Were there any big hiccups or things that you had to kind of address on the fly? Um, let's see. Not, no major hiccups. Uh, you know, the middle school fields are a massive tournament for all of our uh, middle school teams. We really could have used more support there, but Libby Watkins. Yeah, I, you know, I was trying to hold it down myself. You, Jake, <laughs> you and Libby held it down and did a great job troubleshooting throughout the day. So I'd say that was... Um, really the biggest challenge of the day. Otherwise, everything went great. So I know you were probably all over the place you know, during the day and making sure things ran smoothly, but did you have a time? Did you have any time to kind of enjoy it? And, and when you think back to Saturday, hopefully and, you know, it's still pretty fresh in, in your mind, what were some of your favorite moments or aspects of the day? There were a couple of favorite moments. First of all, we opened our car doors in the U-Haul at 6.30 a.m. with nothing set up, a big blank Anacostia Park Field, and around 8 o'clock, Burrville shows up for the championship game, and I would say we had about six goals of our 32 set up. The rest of them were lying on the field, um, not put together yet, and I can't tell you what happened, but at 9 a.m., something magical happened, and everything was set up and ready to go, and my second favorite memory from the day was leading the opening chant at 9.15. I've never been surrounded by 1,500 kids and coaches at one time before, and it was the most amazing amazing energy I've ever felt. Were you nervous at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> more, <laughs> more nervous talking to those kids than I talked to coaches. It was great. Yeah, I was over at the middle school fields because, you know, we were doing a separate chant for the, for the middle school kids before their tournament, but I, I tell you, uh, you're voice was loud and booming. I could hear you all the way over there. You know, it seemed like a mile away from where you were. Awesome. That's what I was going for. <laughs> so a tremendous uh, job with the Jamboree. I think people also know about our Poetry Slam in December, but can you tell the people, like, what are some of the other events that you so meticulously plan, you know, throughout the year in this role? Oh, thanks, Jake. Well, I plan four training events, in-person trainings for coaches. We start each season off with a coach kickoff training. 
um, in September and March. We do mid-season trainings in person, and then we do a couple happy hours and communications events and celebrations for our coaches throughout the year. And along with our summer uh, camp team, we plan trainings for our, our SYEP volunteers. Tell the people a little bit about those volunteers and what they'll be doing this summer. We hire um, alumni, DC Zor's alumni from throughout the, throughout the city to um, get involved in the summer youth employment program where the city of DC pays our high school students to be counselors at our summer camp. Yeah, it's, it's really awesome. You know, the few chances that I get during the summer to go to camp and observe things, I think they serve as such great role models for the younger kids because they've already gone through the program. It's awesome seeing them go through the program and then give back to kids who were are in their shoes. So, Jackie, during the year, you communicate most often with our 190 coaches. Now that they've completed the season, gone through both the fall and the spring, most of them, is there anything you have to say to our coaches? Oh, just thank you. Thank you so much to our coaches. Um, they they are what this is all about. They make this program successful. They, Without them, we wouldn't be here, and we wouldn't be serving 1,500 students every single day after school in Washington, D.C., so we owe everything to them. Great. Well, thanks again, uh, Jackie Kemp, for joining us. Hey, get a little rest. You deserve it. All right. I'll try. Thanks so much. We now welcome in Alyssa Morse, Community Outreach Coordinator, and this event would not have been possible if not for the largest contingent of volunteers in an event history at TC Scores. Um, Alyssa, how many volunteers did we have at Jamboree on Saturday? We had nearly 150 volunteers on Saturday. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. And that is all the credit to you for making that happen. Can you can you kind of let the people know, Alyssa, like all of the different places that we get volunteers from for such an event? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really cool because we keep our alumni engaged. Um, and these are kids who used to be in the DC Sports program in elementary and middle school and are now in high school. Um, so we had nearly 30 alumni come out and help. Um, as well as a bunch of volunteer groups. So we had um, groups from Capital One Bank, from the Rotary Club, from Griffin Technologies, um, from NetSAP DC, um, in addition to a bunch of others, um, including FAR um, and A260C, who actually helped run their own booths. Um, and then just community members who are either engaged during the season on a regular basis or just found us online and asked if they could help out. Now tell us a little bit more about the alumni, because... This, they are far from just helping out at big events. I mean, I see them refereeing soccer games every week during the season. Why uh, do our alumni engage with us so much as volunteers you know, throughout the year? Um, it's a combination of things. I think DC Scores is a really awesome family and a community to be a part of, and we give them the space to you know, earn their volunteer hours for school, but also to take on leadership roles and get more involved um, in the organization as a whole. Now, you know, I was over at the, at the middle school tournament, and, you know, that's one edge of this large, expanse, expansive area, Anacostia Park, um, and I saw plenty of referees over there who made my job a, a lot easier. But, but tell us about all of the other roles that uh, volunteers played throughout the day, because I know they were far from just uh, 
soccer referees. Definitely. So I mentioned the booths, and so we had face painting booths and um, a booth where you make your own picture frame, and so we had the volunteers helping kids with that. Um, also, volunteers were, like, picking up trash and refilling water because it was a little bit hot out there, and so we needed that to constantly ha- be constantly happening. Um, and also serving lunch. Um, we had people at the parent booth, just all sorts of things. Really, volunteers just are willing to do whatever we ask of them, which is awesome. Yeah, they were incredible. And, I mean, considering just all of the setup and breakdown that went into the event, I was really uh, impressed by the fact that we were out of there, you know, less than an hour after the last uh, co-ed soccer game, the, the championship game was played. It's very impressive. Yeah, I mean, we had volunteers out there at 7 in the morning setting up goals, and we there were st- some of them were still there at 4 p.m. breaking them down, so it's pretty incredible. It's unbelievable. And then a couple of them joined us afterwards for, for celebratory drinks. I mean, these volunteers, their stamina is impressive. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have, Alyssa, a favorite story or a couple favorite stories, uh, volunteer uh, stories from throughout the day? Definitely. So talking about the volunteers who were there the entire day, um, Corey Jefferson and Jadson Chavez were there the whole day. Um, they ran the relay races in the beginning of the day with more energy than I've seen any volunteer bring to an event. Um, and then was able to switch mindsets and help pick up trash and then at the end break down the goals and was there the entire day. Um, just so positive the whole time. Um, and another volunteer who stayed the entire time was Oscar Leone and he worked the parent booth. He's bilingual and he was able to make a connection with so many parents and distribute t-shirts and was just so organized and really was able to help us get surveys and feedback from like over 150 DC sports parents, which was huge. And we've never had that sort of um, feedback before. So it was great. Wow. That is, that's incredible. Um, And Corey was, wasn't he a first time volunteer as well? Corey and Jadson both found us on volunteermatch.org and came out for the first time and clearly loved it. So it was (laughs) awesome. Amazing. Now, Alyssa, um, you know, Jamboree is over, the spring season's over, so I know overall volunteer opportunities, there aren't a lot right now, but but tell the people what's upcoming and, and ways that people can get involved, whether it's in the, in the next few weeks or even a couple months down the line. Yeah, definitely. So we have another Saturday event called Scores Cup, um, and it's a corporate soccer tournament, and it's on Saturday, June 14th, and we need volunteers um, for different times of the day, kind of similar to Jamboree, only it's adults this time. Um, So if you're interested in that, we really need help. And then in the fall, everything kind of resets and we'll need new refs and new volunteer coaches. So really, if you just want to volunteer once or if you want to volunteer once or twice a week, um, we have opportunities for you. Sounds great. And uh, anyone interested can just go to our website, dcscores.org, click on the volunteer tab and everything is outlined in detail there for ways to uh, to connect uh, with DC Scores. Correct, yep. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Alyssa. How can the people uh, find you on Twitter? Oh, well, my Twitter handle is, oh, God, what is it? Coach Alyssa underscore DCS, yeah. That's right. So connect with Alyssa on Twitter and uh, give her a shout-out for the incredible work that she does with our volunteers. Uh, again, Saturday, amazing job. Close to 150 volunteers made the largest event DC Scores history possible. Thanks so much, Alyssa. Thank you. And we are now joined by Jessica Gilbert, who is the Middle School Poetry and Service Learning Coordinator. And while Saturday featured a lot of soccer, uh, one of the coolest aspects of the day 
was that each school brought a large decorated board to highlight their service learning project that they brainstormed and then implemented to better their community during the spring season. And for those who don't know, service learning is the third of our three-pronged model here at DC Scores, and frankly, it's my favorite. But Jess, you know a lot, of, a lot more about it than I do because you are consistently checking in with schools during the service learning process. So can you first tell us kind of what, give us, give us a little description of the four aspects of the service learning process that all 47 of our schools kind of go through during the spring season. Sure. Thanks, Jay. Um, so, yes, as you said, the service learning is split up into four different stages. Um, and so the first stage is the discover stage. And so basically this is where the students are going to go out and kind of take a community tour and they're going to explore the different um, aspects of the community. It'll get some of the positive and some of the negative um, assets that are there. Um, and basically they're going to try to identify uh, what is a community issue, something very common, um, but something also very valuable to them um, that they might want to address for their uh, community project. Um, and so then they're going to move on to the second stage, which is the research stage, um, where they're going to dig a little deeper and they're going to kind of um, look deep at some resources, look at some newspaper articles, and also just kind of identify common issues that are going on in that community. Um, and so at this point, they've kind of picked out an issue and they're working towards identifying what the actual project is going to be. Um, and so they move forward to the third stage, which is going to be the action stage. Um, and this is when they actually are going to break down um, the actual project and how they're going to basically solve this issue. Um, and the goal is for it to be a sustainable solution to the issue. Um, so they do break down and they kind of break up in different action groups um, and they kind of creatively come up with a good solution for this, this issue that they've discovered in the community. Um, and then lastly, they have the reflection stage where they get to think back on all the things that they've learned um, and think also about what they could have done better to maybe help out their coach and also their teammates in developing that solution to the, pro the project. Yeah, it's, it's a very uh, comprehensive uh, mm -hmm. process. And they, right. they go through a very a, a pretty thick uh, curriculum too, don't yes, they? Yes, they do. They do. Um, I think for, for middle school, it's a little bit, the curriculum isn't as heavy as the elementary school. Um, but for middle school, we're really focusing on them developing those leadership skills and really owning the project themselves. Um, the coaches are specifically told that they are just supposed to, like, uh, just guide them and assist them um, by giving them, like, resources and tools to look at. But the middle schoolers are solely uh, the leaders of this project, and they do a lot of the organizing and um the outreach and calling these local community partners, all of that they own and they kind of end up doing it on their own, basically. So Yeah, that's what I love is it, it really just empowers the kids to, you know, because these kids are smart. They know what issues are plaguing their exactly. community. So they once they address it, they are empowered to just go ahead and, and basically uh, take the steps necessary to uh, to address it themselves. Right. Um, I. I remember during the past few years, I've written about a few particular issues. I remember uh, Cesar Chavez Parkside did a depression awareness campaign at their school a few years ago, during which they created a video and then held uh, little uh, seminars or you know, did speeches in front of other students from, from their school. I think that was really cool. And then 
you know, Lincoln Middle School a couple of years ago did a big awareness campaign around the Anacostia River and how dirty it is and the cleanup efforts that need to be done there. So there have, there have been a lot of cool things that I've heard about in the past, but uh, tell us a little bit about a couple of your favorite projects. Again, you work with the 17 middle schools yes. that they did this spring. Yes. Um, so great. Yeah, I definitely... Um, there are a few schools that I went by this season, and um, I definitely enjoyed watching them develop, uh, like I said, a solution to these issues. Um, and I know one of the biggest issues that we, I came across of was with um, Hart Middle School. Uh, they were working on um, actually like a drug awareness campaign. Um, and this was a community campaign. Uh, they noticed that also that this was also a huge issue within the school, and they saw these issues uh, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so they were very passionate about this issue. Uh, and so part of their project was to uh, create all these posters, um, to create brochures, and put them around the school to just show the importance of uh, having an overall good health and, you know, the, the, the damages that drug obviously um, is does for the community. Um, Another project would be um, for Tubman Elementary School. Um, even though that wasn't like one of my main schools, this project was like great because um, they somehow managed to do a play, uh, which I think is always very um, ambitious. Uh, but they did like a three, uh, kind of like a three-topic play, uh, and it was to address the effects of smoking. Um, and I think that writ really well. They sold lots of tickets and <laughs> all the money went to the Washington Humane Society, which is obviously great too. Um, so like I said, it's always great to see um, the interesting, how they come up with these issues and the interesting approach that they come around to like raising money to donate it to these local organizations. That's really amazing. I mean, they get so creative with mm-hmm. it too. I was at uh, Thompson Elementary School, just a few few blocks from here, uh, a few weeks ago, and they uh, they did a big uh, campaign around hunger and yeah. the effects that it can have um, on academic performance and a lot of other areas, especially for their peers, for you know students in elementary schools, uh, many of them in D.C. Um, and the day that I was there, they actually brought younger students from the school, first and second graders to work with them on creating 200 uh, healthy snack bags that they then uh, donated to D.C. Central Kitchen. So, I mean, students just really run the gamut in terms of uh, service learning projects. Is there a favorite part for you from observing, you know, from the beginning in early March through Jamboree when we when these service learning boards are presented uh, that you just really enjoy or you think you will remember down the road from the process? I think one of my favorite parts of the service learning process is when the the schools have a a guest speaker come in to speak to the students and actually talk to the students more about the issue and explain to them how they can get involved and how they can help. Um, that is something that I would definitely remember is um, when there was a speaker that came to one of the schools to talk about um, for the Washington Humane Society, and she was talking to them about um, the neglect against um, towards animals, and. Um, I just remember the students, you know, it was it was obviously very emotional, but it was something that the students really were um, just empowered to address because they had so many questions and they just wanted to get involved in so many different ways. Um, and then 
they all the the person she just gives them so many different tools to use like flat like flyers and they made like these little toys um to take to the animal shelter and so i just think that the having a guest speaker come in and actually hearing it from like a i guess i would say a, a specialty person um that definitely is really empowering especially to see just the students come with all these questions and take notes and really do like that research part of the project that's this huge for them yeah absolutely and, and it really helps show the students just all of the different resources that are out there to them um, i think that's a really cool part about the process is a lot of times students in these uh, communities you know they just might not know about what what's outside and how easy it is to write your council member, which is something that actually uh, the kids at Thompson did because there's a bill out there right now to um, have school meals served to students on right. snow days, which is a really big right. issue because, uh, I mean, there were a lot of snow days this year. Uh -huh. Students who relied on those school meals were often uh, hungry. And, and the kids at Thompson, you know, sent letters. All of them wrote letters to council members. So I think uh, the service learning uh, curriculum really opens them up to options like that. So, yeah. cool. Well, well, Jess, uh, thanks so much for joining us, and great yeah. job with the service learning uh, curriculum this spring. Um, to me, it's the it doesn't get the attention that our soccer <laughs> and our poetry programs get, but Agreed. it is just as deserving, absolutely, and it and it's really you know, just heartwarming, really, to to see the impact that all these uh, elementary, middle school youth can have in their communities. Great. Thanks so much for having me. All right, well, we had a great uh, cadre of guests on the podcast today, and, you know, the, the spring season is over, but that doesn't mean that things have died down here around the office. We actually have a bunch of uh, fun events coming up uh, to, to let you know about. Uh, many of you know that the D.C. Scores Cup, our big charity soccer tournament, is Saturday, June 14th at the Maryland Soccerplex. Uh, couldn't be more excited. We are going to have a record 32 teams made up of area companies and law firms uh, in the tournament, broken into two divisions, competitive and casual. Um, we're very excited to hold it again at the Maryland Soccerplex. Um, and a big shout out, too, to our main sponsor of the event, uh, DirecTV. Um, so, yeah, we are looking for volunteers for the Scores Cup. Um, if you are interested, please just shoot me an email, uh, jloyd, that's J-L-L-O-Y-D, at americascores.org. Uh, you can come out. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. We've got soccer for a really high-level soccer for seven hours. Um, lunch is there. We've got a DJ, so, so it should be a great day. And then the following week on Thursday, June 18th, is Do More 24, which is the big 24-hour day of giving for D.C. nonprofits. This is our second year participating. It's organized by the local United Way chapter. And our goal is to raise over $9,000. A $24 donation equals a soccer uniform for D.C. youth. That's socks, shin guards, shorts, and a customized uh, school uniform. So uh, keep that on your calendar, uh, domore24.org. You'll be able to start giving at midnight on uh, the morning of June 18th. And we really look forward to anyone who can give and then can help us uh, promote it on social media using the hashtag DoMore24. That's the number 24. And tweeting just at DC Scores. That should be a very fun, if not a little tiring, 24 <laughs> hours. Um, I'll be plugged in that entire time. 
And then uh, we cap off this exciting couple weeks on Sunday, uh, June 22nd, with our World Cup uh, party. Um, I'm sorry, Doomer 24, June 19th. I was just doing, I was crunching the numbers. Yeah. June right. 19th, Doomer 24. Three days later, Sunday, June 22nd, World Cup party. Uh, we are hosting it at Penn Social. Uh, it'll begin at 4 p.m. And of course, USA, they play Portugal at 6 p.m. that evening. So just anyone who loves soccer, I know a lot of you out there do, um, encouraged to, to stop by. There's a suggested $5 donation to DC Scores. Um, but really, it's just a great event to, to get together and watch the big game. And Penn Social has a lot of fun games to play as well. Uh, if you haven't been there, a great partner of ours. So we look forward to, to seeing people there. And then, of course, uh, the following Monday, June 24th, our summer camps kick off. We are offering four free summer camps uh, this year for D.C. youth. Um, if you are interested in having your uh, child participate in summer camps and haven't signed up yet, I highly encourage you to jump on our website, dcscores.org, go to the resource section, um, and sign up and, and fill out a form um, ASAP because those camps are going to fill, uh, fill fast. So that's, that's all that's coming up. We'll do another yeah. podcast during the thick of summer camp. Uh, really looking forward to that. Um, in the meantime, just make sure to check us out online. Again, dcscores.org and all of our social media outlets, uh, facebook.com slash dcscores, at dcscores on Twitter, at dc underscore scores on Instagram. You can also find us on LinkedIn and uh, on YouTube, youtube.com slash dcscores. Car, anything to add before we sign off here? Yeah, I just I guess I just want to stress uh, for Doomer 24, a lot of people may think a soccer uniform isn't a huge deal for kids, but I had the opportunity at a couple of our game days to just talk to our students about what that soccer uniform means and for them to, you know, be talking about how it just fills them with pride every time they have a game day and they, you know, suit up in their socks and shin guards and have their team color on and it really means a lot to them to have this uh visual representation of their DC scores team. So if you can help us out on Thursday, June 19th, we'd really appreciate it. Do more 24. That's right. And you can, you can hear from these kids directly in the video car mentioned by again, visiting us on YouTube, youtube.com slash DC scores. Well, I think that's it. Thanks again for listening to the DC scores podcast and uh, we'll see you next time. And now more from World Cup It's Time, performed by the students of America Scores Los Angeles and Ator Pereira.
all hearts. Beats fast like my heart. It's time. The game is on. High five. The ball is alive. This time, we'll bring it home.